Always learning new things, aren't we? That's the truth. I mean, every day. And today was no exception. So, we are so excited to share with you guys an interview today all about a flower farm, y'all. A wonderfully glorious place down in Alabama that we cannot wait to go visit. So, um, I don't want to take any more time on the intro. Let me just dive right in. Without further ado, here is our interview with 1818 Farms. We are so excited to be sitting here with a new friend to us, and I wish we weren't sitting through a screen. I wish we were actually with you, but we're oh, here. Man. Yeah, me too. We are here with N- Natasha McCrary of Mooresville, Alabama, and let me tell you a little bit about Natasha. She is the owner and operator of 1818 Farms, which she started Back in 2013, when her son fell in love with Southdown baby doll sheep, she had no experience raising the sheep, let alone running a farm, but she had an idea of how she could make it work. She decided to combine a farm with a small business that would help cover the cost of food for the animals. The result was 1818 Farms, a working flower farm that's also a line of bath and lifestyle products and this is really very cool guys in 2019 Natasha won Amazon's woman-owned small business of the year award thanks to these small thing I know thanks thanks to these lifestyle products so um welcome Natasha Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to y'all today. Yeah. So let's let's kind of start with where you're at. Like I said in just a m- moment ago, I wish we were with you down <laughs> no, in your farm. farm. And and I think 1818 came from something about your town's history, right? Tell us a little bit about Mooresville. Yeah, so uh, Mooresville, Alabama is a historic town and we're located in northern Alabama. It's just between Decatur and Huntsville. And in reference point for a larger city, we're probably like an hour and a half from Franklin, Nashville, the Nashville area. Um, The town was incorporated in the year 1818. Alabama didn't become a state till the year 1819. So we like to say our little saying is a town older older than the state. So we are very tiny. There's 58 people, like 5'8". There's a mayor. (laughs) There's a town council. I mean, it's incorporated, so you still have a governing body with zoning and those kind of things, which is great because most of the homes are historical. So the house that we live in was built in 1826. So our family's been here for six generations. A lot of, there are a few newer homes, but they are built to look old. Uh, I tell everybody they're just, it's not cold in the winter and hot in the summer (laughs) in their house. It's, It's very efficient. So it's, you know, it's very much like a small Williamsburg. They call it Alabama's Williamsburg. So I encourage you, you can always, you can look us up at mooresvilleal.com to kind of read a little bit more about the history of the town. But I think that's what makes having our farm here interesting for agritourism guests because they can not only come to the farm, but it's more like a village. I mean, there are no stop signs. There are no light, red lights. You can just park and maybe just walk on foot traffic. It's just a few blocks. I mean, it's tiny. Wow. But it gives you that feeling of going back in time 
and you know the safety of that and the beauty so a lot of people enjoy coming to visit the town as well wow wow what do you specifically love about living there uh for my children i love the sense of safety that they get you know you don't really have that in a large city but i also like the sense of community I know if I had a problem at any moment, I could call anyone here and they would help me. I remember living in Birmingham years ago. I hardly even knew my neighbors, you know, because we were all working. We were all gone. It wasn't that village community bill. And sure. I think just that sense of family, given now 10 of us are in my family who live here. So we're 10 of the 58. So <laughs> there are 10 of us. But uh, that's the beauty of really, I think our tagline for our farm is if you look at us up, it's life the way it used to be. When you knew your neighbor, when you, you know what I'm saying? You just, it's times are different now. It's not always like that. So I like the way I felt like that, not only for our farm, but for connecting with the town is a great tagline. Just like the way it used to be. Yeah. Wow. That almost sounds like some of our taglines we toyed around with for this podcast. We, (laughs) we landed on uplifting conversations about life in the South, but we definitely love and call ourselves old fashioned. So, um, yeah, we're kindred spirits, I can tell. <laughs> now, how old are your children, Natasha, now? Okay, so now they're 20, almost 17, and 14. <laughs> so, you know, a lot when we started, you know, this all started with my son, who's about to be 17, was eight. So, you know, a lot has changed since then. They've gone from helping at the farm to my boys were flower delivery guys all summer. How so sweet. that should be an interesting thing on their resume in years to come when they talk about the delivery, home deliveries. But uh, they've kind of seen a lot of different sides of how the business has grown and been a part of different areas, but they've been a huge help this summer because, you know, we weren't expecting to go to home deliveries. That's just something we've done a little bit of, but with COVID, we totally shifted into contactless deliveries where you still text them and that kind of thing. But, you know, I don't know what I would have done without the boys this summer. It's kind of sad. School starts for my middle to tomorrow and my son went back to college last week and they're like, we don't know what you're going to do. And I'm like, I don't either with y'all gone. We need uh, delivery people. It's good. Wow. Yeah. You're going to have to look to those other 48 people in town. <laughs> I know. I know. If anybody needs some part-time work. <laughs> I know. I think so. Full-time. Well, um, tell us a little bit, just kind of about the genesis of the farm getting started. I think it was one of your sons that really. Um, yes, it was my middle it. son and we were on a vacation uh, in North Carolina and we were at a, like a little petting zoo, you know, doing a little fam- like on fall break. And he just fell in love with these sheep and, he was always, of my three children, I was saying to a friend the other day, you know, he was the child who would sell his toys to his siblings. You'd be like, what happened here? What, what, what are you doing? Or he would have the lemonade stand and he was giving nothing for free. I mean, he's going to be our little entrepreneur, even as a young child. Um, so he fell in love with these sheep and he was like, I love these sheep. I think I want to own one. I want to name him Static. And I want to sell his manure. And could I sell his wool? I've read at school, you can sell sheep's wool. And then he said, and, and then he goes, how old is our na- neighbor, Katie Ann, next Christmas? And I said, well, she'll be like two. He goes, you think she could lay in a cradle and we could use, we could use our sheep and rent them for nativity scenes? And I said, I don't think so at that age. But his mind has always kind of worked that way. Yeah. And so at that point, you know, I purchased some, I said, okay, we're going to purchase some books on raising sheep you know, all these books about sheep. And I'm like, we're going to read through every page. They're these very thick books, you know, from Amazon. And we got through every page and he still was interested. So the next step was this breed is a heritage breed, but they were almost extinct. In the 1990s, there were 300 left in the United States. 
Okay. So the next part is how do I find these sheep? Mm-hmm. Because there just aren't that many out there. Yeah. So that took a lot of research and I learned quickly for anyone out there who's listening who, you know, if you even have a dog, there if you know, sometimes if you're going for a specific breed, you have to they're reputable reputable breeders and there's some who maybe aren't as reputable. Yeah. So it was finding the most reputable breeders that I could who I knew had really been firm in and maintaining those five generation pedigrees because you're trying to go back five generations and being willing to travel. So we did, I did a lot of research on that end and found what I felt to start our foundation plot would be two very reputable uh, sheep breeders. And it kind of went from there. And then from there, you know, we were going to just have the sheep and then it was, we were going to have chickens and then we were going to have school groups. And so it sort of just snowballed into one thing after the other. And we kind of grew a little more than we thought. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it isn't like it just, I mean, I still thought I would start and I'd say, you know, I think people would love to come learn about how to raise backyard chickens. I can do this now. So let's teach yes, class. I would. <laughs> at that point I had always had a raised bed. So I said, well, we're going to teach about building and designing your own raised bed. And we already knew we were going to be doing farmer's markets and growing produce and cut flowers. So it just sort of snowballed. And then here we are this many years later and we're, but we're a full flower farm now. It's sort of evolved over the years. Wow. Wow. So yeah, tell us about um, just kind of that transition of incorporating flowers into the, the whole farm. Right. So initially I was just going to grow, I say 75% heirloom produce and then 25% flowers. The flowers were just going to be really an add on at the farmer's market because you may have someone you get into your booth at that point who the flower catches them, you know, and you may have just the flower customer. But over time, I quickly saw that customers viewed flowers as a luxury item. Okay. They, they would come in and that's the one thing in our booth, they never tried to negotiate the price on with me. If the price was the price, the price was the price. But okay. if the price of a, a beautiful, you know, non-pesticide yeah, pesticide-free grown green bean was $3 a pound. They would want it for $2 a pound. It was very strange. Okay. And so over time, over time, I saw that this is a luxury item. I think this is something that we can, you know, really for growing a tomato or a green bean, you have a shorter season. Really, you're, it's a hard cut off here. Even if you had a hoop house, they have to have those hot temperatures. You know, it's a shorter growing season. With flowers, you can extend it to almost the full year if you go from planting in October, you start harvesting in January, 1st of February, you do all, all spring, all summer, and then you're cutting for drying and you sell dried until January. Okay. So it's also a little bit more, uh, it provides more sustainability for your farm. And honestly, I, I saw, I enjoyed creating a product that, you know, growing a product, selling it, that really evoked an emotion from the customer. Mm-hmm. And you get a lot more feedback from a fresh flower than you do produce. I mean, it's just how it is. I mean, you know, that's true. I can, it, I can see that. I can. Yeah, totally it's, it's different. That. And, um, from there we were probably until 2016, 17, 50% flowers, 50% produce. Like we kept gradually pulling back. Okay. And we had, we had left the farmer's market. We were doing pretty much restaurant only sales. Mm-hmm. And then in 17, I said, you know, I really feel like I'm seeing a movement across the United States. There are a lot more flower farms. Um, what happened in the 19, in the 1980s, there were some, um, America lifted some, uh, 
uh, embargoes or, or you know, uh, bringing th- things in from South America, they started really outsourcing more and more flowers were coming in South America and a lot of the flower farms and in the eighties, about 80% of the flowers in the United States were American grown early eighties. Okay. By the late eighties, it was a flip flop. It was maybe 15% United States, 85% wow. South America because of the cost. So there had been a dying age of flower farms, but then probably in the late nineties, you started seeing a little bit more. And by the time we were, or I guess early 2000s, it'd be later than that, 2000s. And then once you got into like 2006, a lot more were emerging because the slow flower movement and people were becoming much more aware of wanting to know, if you think about it, even in your life, it's a, that was a turning point, I think, in the mid-2000s, I mean, mid that people wanted to know where their food grown, was grown, where their flower, it became more awareness of what you're putting in your body, what you have in your home, and you know, what type of pesticides are being used and that kind of thing. So there's been a shift. So there's a lot more United States growers and there was a hunger for that. That's another reason. And then we just saw how hunger hungry people were locally when they came to the farm and we started implementing the bloom strolls or offering the bloom strolls and bouquet workshops on site experiences, how hungry, hungry they were to learn and to be in the field, to learn how to cut, to learn how to arrange we saw there was a need in the market. And so that's another reason that we tilted a hundred percent flowers in 2018. Everything was ripped out. Every bed was redone. It was a huge investment on our part because basically you were giving the whole farm a facelift. I mean, it looks nothing like today. If you look back at photos, um, I've been doing a Pinterest overhaul, which was way too long. It was overdue. And I was like, this looks terrible at the time. I thought it looked good. But when you go hundred percent flowers, it's changed the look of the farm. It's changed everything about our farm. So tell, what's a bloom stroll? I don't know what that is. I okay, love that so name. a bloom stroll, okay, we offer like on-site farm experiences and a bloom stroll and bouquet workshop. You come to the farm. This season, we've had to limit it to like 15 people. Usually it's around 20. And you come to the farm and we talk about just, I introduce our whole like planting, how we plant, harvesting techniques, when we order seeds, how we plant seeds. And then we have, every person has a pre-cut bucket of probably around 75 stems, a beautiful uh, container or vessel. And we go step-by-step through how to build a beautifully balanced bouquet using seasonally grown flowers. Oh my God. We also walk through the field and we identify all the flowers and I show how to cut them. I talk about when they were planted. So you have the opportunity to cut, but I found over time, I've switched this over the years, Used to, we had minimal cut and people cut more, but a lot of people are extremely scared and nervous about cutting at the wrong area. Okay. So now we do more of a step-by-step how-to. Like I've learned over the years, we're trying to offer more how-tos. People want a little bit more hand-holding and going through. And I do think uh, this year with us changing dramatically how we've done the workshops because of COVID, you, they end up with a more balanced, beautiful arrangement than when I get was a little more free and loose on the, you know, like, here's the focal, let's go cut three focals or whatnot. So this year, you know, we've changed it, but you leave with a beautiful arrangement. Like you can kind of maybe go back in our Instagram. We try and tag some of those, but what I've seen over the years and a lot of people who come here is people no longer want things. They want experiences. Yes. You may receive a sweater last Christmas and you forgot where it came from, but if someone gifts you this bloom stroll, a lot, we see a lot with moms and daughters or best friends, you're going to remember that bloom stroll probably the rest of your life because it's something you've never, you've never been in 11,000 flowers in a field. 
I mean, it's just an experience you, and we want to provide that experience. But at the same time, we want to provide the education while they're here that they've learned something. I always say when they, people come to the farm, whether it's for a tour or whether it's for a bloom stroll, I like for you to leave with at least five pieces of knowledge that you didn't have when you arrived here. So, you know, there's a lot of things as a flower farmer and a farmer I take for granted because we do it every day. I mean, it's just like getting up putting my clothes mm-hmm. on for the day. <laughs> but a lot of people, that's just not, I mean, they don't do that. So yeah. we try and leave. And I hope, I like when people say, well, I love 10 things that I didn't know. But our goal is, a big part of our mission is to educate the community who comes to the farm. I can tell that even just from your website. Well, probably one of my favorite episodes we've done, and we've covered a lot of ground. Um, I think we have over 80 episodes so far. Um, we did one on heirloom seeds and I'm fascinated with heirloom seeds and just seeds in general. So will you tell me a little bit about what you guys do with seed and your. Yes. So yeah, we started the seed base initiative. I started in 17 when we made the switch to flowers and that's part of introducing, you know, comfortably making people comfortable with growing their own flowers, harvesting, not necessarily just buying from us. I want, like, if you come to me and I'm going to show you how you're going to dry these flowers and save the seeds, I'm going to tell you how to plant them. That's part of the seed base initiative. Taking it a step further is last year we received our seed certification through the state on being a seed seller. Okay. And I wanted to only offer things that perform the best for us. So we've slowly, and, and I think this in any part of your business, when you start, you don't just jump in and do you don't just jump in and do a hundred things. Yeah. We added one seed last fall and it was a huge seller. The purple hyacinth bean is that we use as a windbreak and for design work, it's not an edible. Then this, we've been, our bachelor buttons were outstanding this spring. I mean, just, we were cutting six to 700 every two days. I mean, they were crazy. So they were great performers. So we're trying to get those dried and ready and packaged and those will sell this fall. And then we have some different seeds that we'll be selling next, you know, like, February, you know, because some of the things I don't want to sell too early because like the bachelor buttons in our zone, which is 7A, I think Nashville, I think where y'all are is probably 7A also. I don't think, I think y'all are there. Those kind of seeds are called cool weather. They need to go on the ground in October here. Like a lot of the beautiful flowers that you see like Larkspur, Delphinium, Snapdragons, really in our zone, a lot of people don't understand or haven't been educated. If you plant them in April, they're never going to perform because it's too hot here. So we put everything in the ground in mid-October to the first November, like the ranunculus anemones, and then you have a beautiful early season harvest, you know, March. So that's why we're trying to hurry and get the bachelor buttons and buttons ready for people, anyone in our zone, you know, seven or further south. And then you can still purchase it, and if you're in a higher zone, and save it for it'd be fine to save. But I want to try and get this one out to start that education process of hey, you don't wait until April to put this in because it's not, it's never going to perform. Like our bachelor buttons, we're over almost six feet tall. If you planted that in the, yeah, if you planted that in the summer, you're going to be lucky if you're like 18 inches tall here, here or in spring. It's just gets, they they stop producing for me in June. So that goes back into the education and we're big on the heirlooms because you know, you're going to get what you, you know, an heirloom is usually something that's been around for 75 years or more. And it's something that you know, you're going to save and you're going to get the same thing. I mean, you could in a, 
you could get some cross pollination, but you're still going to get that flower. It might be a little different color. Flower farming is a little bit different than like a tomato or a vegetable where you know, because you could have cross pollination, but I'm sure like there's never going to be an ugly bachelor button. So if it cross pollinates, <laughs> that's something really special. That's what I tell people. I have some basil that we've had here for years that we use that as it's a big filler in our bouquets. Like I have no idea what it is, but I think it cross pollinated over the years, but it's gorgeous. It's like, it's a cross between a tie and a standard and a cinnamon basil. And it has beautiful variegation, but we, we just, every year say we hope this comes back because we don't even know what it is, but wow. there can be the surprises. You can get the little garden surprises that way. Yeah. What is a bachelor button? I'm not familiar with that. What does that look okay, like? Okay. It looks like a little pin cushion flower and it's a bright, bright blue, but they also come in whites and pinks. And I've got some really good pictures on our Instagram. Probably it would be March, April. If you're, anybody wants to go and look like I've done some in the buckets, some there in the flower field. But the other thing that's beautiful about those is they, you can uh, bake with those also, they're edible, is they hold their color perfectly when you dry them. Because oh. drying flowers is a huge part of what we do. And that's yeah. another thing is I'm probably, everything we plant, I like to know I can dry it because that promotes season extension. There's some things I try once and it's uh, not so great. We may toss that and not use it again. But it's uh, very vibrant, beautiful. Um, we're going to be you know, we're starting to promote it. And this, this year will be the first year starting in October. You're gonna be able to buy dried bunches from us online. You'll be able to dry by purchase. Um, we're doing some dried flowers with bases and then we're starting, we've had this in the works for like two years. And then of course COVID happened is wedding confetti that you toss like it's to dried flower petals and you can have all the different colors. And that's one of the ones I love the bachelor buttons for like the something blue because it's such a beautiful yes. blue. And so we're always thinking about what can I do to extend the season? You have to in flower, any kind of farming, if you want to make this your livelihood, and that's sort of how the bath line came along is you can't just depend on one revenue stream. Wow. Wow. I want to get to the bath, but I'm not done with the flowers. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this flower truck is brilliant. I was thinking about uh, certain flowers seem like they're not easily shipped. And so the flower truck sounds like such a brilliant idea because yes. you go city to city. Is that right? Yes. And, and where we're located, like you can go to Decatur, Huntsville, um, Athens, which is a small We What we do is stores who carry our product line. We now this year we haven't been able to do it because of the face to face, but okay. in the past, all last year we did five stops a week. You would go, we have the flowers there or we have pre-builts that you could purchase. But that's the thing is, People love coming and that's another way of learning. And you really educate a lot on the seed to base there is you talk about when someone wants to buy something and they are buying all focal flowers. I'm like, we might not want to do that. We may want to add a spike. You want to add these discs. We've got to have a filler. So you're still educating. It was a huge part of educating and hopefully next year we'll be able to run it again. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we hope, but it's a great way for people, if they can't come to the farm, that they're able to see all the variety of flowers. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about our flowers. You hit a very important part of this. The reason a lot of people love our flowers and when we do home delivery, I can't tell you the number of times we, get, we receive an email or a phone call that they love the bouquet. It's something they've never seen because a lot of our flowers, a wholesaler will never have because they don't ship well and they, you cannot put in the cooler. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, we have a cooler and I have a huge list that do not put these in the cooler. Like they will, even at 40 degrees, 38, they're going to be brown the next day. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think what makes it interesting to people is they see how the flowers change. 
this, we had always offered subscription bouquets. It's kind of like a CSA, but we don't call it that. Like you purchase a six month or six bouquet subscription. We try, we recommend doing it monthly because if you start in February or March and you go those six months, the bouquets change so much. Yeah. If you do six weeks in a row, you're kind of getting similar. Sure. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to get an anemone and a ranunculus in August. It's not possible here. I mean, if you're in Canada, maybe, but then you know what I'm saying? It just yeah. isn't possible. So we will, we have some people who do weekly deliveries and we try and really switch those up a lot, but I recommend doing the subscription and starting it at least March or April, because you're going to get, you're going to see how the decays change seasonally. And that has been a huge piece of our growth this year is how many subscriptions that we sold, which, you know, we were so happy, but it's also managing and you love those subscriptions because I tell, you know, it's, it helps you the planning because we know if we sold X subscriptions this year, I need to order instead of 1000 ranunculus, I need to order 2000 next year because yep. you've got those built in and we don't skip on our bouquets. Like our bouquets are so full, like you would, Probably some people are like, how do you put this so full? But I want it to look spectacular. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of that is I say, I've said this to many people is you get one first impression. It yes. looks terrible. They're never going to buy again. True. So put your, and that's what's called the bouquet of the day. You can't just go on our website and say, I want this because I don't know what's going to be the freshest and most beautiful in the field that day. Yeah. So like we're cutting this morning and that we cut the morning of and the bouquets will go out today. So we have the orders, the notes written for the week. What I sent Monday may not be what we're sending today because we're going to find what's at peak freshness in the field. Oh, yeah. So cool. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. It really is interesting to see how things change over the season and to see how people are connected and how many questions and how much they love seeing these different types of flowers that we grow. Now, where can you do the, like, where's the shipping to for a flower subscription? We only do locally. So, yeah. but see, for us locally is a 45 mile radius okay. because we may go, it's hard to describe where y'all are, but I'm in where we are, you know, Huntsville is 30 miles, but if someone in, in Hampton Cobors, that's another 10 miles, our corporate office where we make the products is in Huntsville. So I consider that local. Yeah. So yeah. we have a pretty wide radius, but you know, when you live with 58 people, you sort of have to do that or else you <laughs> might not, they will not support enough. We won't sell enough bouquets when 10 of those people are your family. So we have a pretty wide delivery radius and I, and also like I've had events in Florence, which is over, um, you know, Florence is over in Western Alabama. Like if someone's having a big event for a party, of course, I'm going to do the order, you know, it's an hour and 15 minutes. So we're kind of, you know, we're kind of loose on that. And then if we had to go somewhere it was a, and the order was large enough, we might have to put a delivery fee in, but we try and really try and hit as many people as we can and just know the more it's sort of the pay it forward. If someone sees that bouquet and they love it, they take a picture, they post it on social media. You have to grow. You have to kind of be willing to go outside of that delivery area. I think. Yeah, that's so true. Well, you do have an extensive line of other products. And so tell us about some of the more uh, bath and lifestyle products that you guys are also making. Yeah. So the first year that the farm was open, I learned quickly, if, like I said, produce is a much tighter window. So, you know, come frost, I had no way, no revenue stream, but I still had to feed the animals, the chickens, yep. pay the electricity, pay the water. So I had dried, at that point we grew around probably like a 200 lavender plants, 185 or 200. I had dried a lot of those. And so I thought, huh, I think it can be, I'm going to learn to make soap. 
So I was like, I can sell this at Christmas. Maybe I'll have enough to pay for the electricity because you know, you have to have, you gotta have revenue. Yeah. So I started kind of experimenting and then I would say, okay, my skin's really dry. What could I create? What kind of bath soap could I create with these ingredients that we have? Um, and from there we, I just started gifting and then people bought for holiday and then we did one little holiday show and then the store, a, a store approached us and they said, you know, we really like your products. You have great packaging. They work great. We'd like to bring you in as a wholesaler. So what we have done with the products, if each product because like I said, our business model, the farm is the center and you have education, you have the products, all the things have to work together to make the farm work. I mean, if it doesn't, one piece falls away, it, it doesn't work. So I thought what better way to market them? I'd seen the connection people had with the animals on our social media was if I make them the cover girl or the cover guy. So my mother-in-law does all the pencil sketches. And so let's say we have a, a lavender counting sheep linen and ring spray. There's a little sugar our lamb with her night-night hat on. And we tell a story about the animal on the side. So it's a way, another way, if they haven't visited the farm, they're still getting a little piece of the farm with that cute little farm animal on it. Yes. And we strive. My, my motto is we want simple ingredients that really work. We don't use preservatives. Um, you know, that's going to be a challenge because like right now in the summer, when you receive a jar of our shea cream, it's shipped in an insulated cooler with ice because it'll melt and it'll never go back. Coconut oil melts at 76 degrees, but I'm big on, you know, what you put on your skin, it absorbs into the rest of your body. So I'm really big on simple ingredients that really work, but also at an affordable price. So we kind of, our strategy is off of volume. Like I wanted, if the teacher received this gift at Christmas from a student, She's on a limited budget. If she loved it, I wanted her to be able to go in four months and be able to afford that cream. That's cool. Like I've had people say, this is so great. You should raise your price. And I said, no, because I can't get it in as many people's hands. Not everyone has a disposable income where they can go splurge on something. So our whole strategy has been on everything we do is to go off volume. That's so, so which fun. goes into, you need to really, when you're hiring people, find the right people and find long-term employees. Because in order to make X thousand jars or tubes, you can't be bringing new people in every week because they're never going to learn the process. Yeah. So we really, and I, I, for any person starting a business, really think and dig hard when you're hiring an employee because your company is only as good as your employees. I mean, I can't do everything and you need to find people that really love what they do and that you can train and are long-term employees. And these products that we're talking about now, the shea creams and the soaps, these are available for shipping because you can buy these Everywhere. through Amazon, right? Or through your yes. website. Well, you can do, not every product is available on Amazon. Okay. We are on a specific curated section of Amazon called Amazon Handmade. It's very great if you're looking for unique. It's sort yes. of like Etsy, but like on steroids. Yes. Because Amazon, the way they are, when you apply through Amazon Handmade, I mean, it is like, you show pictures of your workspace. You answer questions. How many can you make in a, how many of these could you make in a month? Like they want to be sure you're really the maker. Like you're not giving your recipe to some factory and they're producing it for you. Right. They're, they're really supporting the small business. So we're on handmade. So our textiles, even though there are images, we don't print those. So they're not on Amazon handmade. It's mainly okay. just the straight bath line. You know what I'm saying? Like we have yes. some pot, we have a potter who works for us. who throws our egg scramblers. Even though she's a maker, she doesn't. She's not directly on her payroll. So there are some things that are just on eighteen eighteen farms dot com 
Okay. And there are things that are on Amazon. And then you have the wholesale stores. So we have about 500 stores that carry our line. And you can go to our website and you can say, there's a little section that says, find a retailer near me. And a cute little map pops up. And there's little sheep heads everywhere. So if there is a store near you, I encourage you to go. You can smell everything. You know, I would call now because some stores have just reopened. You don't know what type of inventory they have because of COVID just financially. But that's a great way if there's a, you know, a brick and mortar near you to go and try it that way. Because it is a sensory purchase. I mean, we try our best to say, what does sunny day shakering smell like? Or what does citrus smell like? But I can't, what I smell and what I write on the internet or on the website is might not be what you smell. So, so true. I do encourage people to look for the little sheep head near you and go in and, and smell it if, if there's something you have your heart set on. But those are kind of the main ways that you can purchase from us. Very cool. Um, well... What about visiting the farm? I know sometimes you guys have photo shoots there. People want to come and do many, many different things. Is yes. That- so oh. this year, unfortunately, we have canceled other than our bloom strolls yeah. every event. Yeah. Um, the, we were scheduled our biggest event of the year, which y'all, if you're listening, can mark on your account. Or really what the best way to do to find out about our events is to go to our website at 1818farms.com and you scroll to the bottom and you can sign up for email list you're going to get minimal emails from me. If you're worried about the company who sends an email every day, that is not me. You only hear from me when it is necessary. You're too busy out there cutting flowers. No, we are too busy. The big email is in February, and that is when we send out every event for the year. And those people see the events prior to them being posted on social media. Okay. But our probably the favorite thing for people to do is our sheep shearing day. Um, there's no charge for any of our, for our open farm days, there is no charge and there isn't for the sheep shearing day because that's part of our give back to the community is people can come and educate. It's a, it's our give back, but you know, it's limited to like a thousand people because of the size of the farm, but it's great because you can see, I mean, how many people have really seen a sheep being shorn before? So you can see that, see the wool, you can see the flowers. So that's usually in March. And then we have a few open farm days. Typically we have private tours, but you can't really hold a farm animal and be six feet apart. You know, I can't hold a chicken or a lamb. I mean, you just can't. And for the safety of our employees, but we hope next year, but yeah. the private tours last about an hour and you just have, to, we have like a minimum of 20 people for those. So you'd have to email us and we do those Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, really April, May, because when it gets hot, the animals aren't really like, they're not into it. They don't want to come eat grain when it's hot. They just want to lay in shade. <laughs> So those are there and and it can be for any age. Like we do kindergartners, we do retirees, we do master gardeners, we do garden clubs. So it's interesting how the visitors have evolved. When I first started, it was primarily preschoolers. And now, you know, we know on pretty much Thursdays, it's going to be only adults that come through. And Wednesdays, we don't do a tour because the pigs have to have a day off because they are really grumpy if they had to do a tour. No, I'm not kidding. They are so grumpy and will do nothing that I (laughs) ask them to do. So we don't have tours on Wednesdays. So that's the pigs day deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. So, so good. Yeah. Well, since we are a Southern podcast, I was curious to know um, what some of your favorite places in the South are. Okay. So I don't get to go a lot cause I'm always working, but <laughs> uh, I was thinking about those. Like, cause you know, I tell people when they call me and they say, or the email, I, I love a farmer. I want to be a farmer. And I say, do you know you feed the animals on Christmas morning every day? It's 365 days, but we do That's try right. to get a couple times a year because we have good people support people. I really love to go. And I know this is kind of like off the beaten path, but to the lake on the Tennessee river. I mean, I know this isn't really a city, but I like to do that. We go to Navarre 
Florida, Navarre Beach in Florida, it's tiny. Like I like going where there's not a lot of activity Yeah. because you're just, I want to, the goal for me is when we go somewhere is to unplug and spend time connecting with our family. Yes. And I don't want to go, 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 go. So Navarre, Florida, I love being on the Tennessee river and probably in the Southern cities. I've been to Charleston a few times and I really love the culture there mm-hmm. and the food, the historic significance. So I'd have to say that has to be one of my favorites. A goal is I haven't been to Savannah. Like I've been to a lot of cities. That's kind of on my bucket list is to do Savannah. Yeah. My cousin lives there, but he said, do not come in the summer. He's already told me over and over, whatever you do, <laughs> do not come in the summer. He was like, if you think it's humid, he grew up in Tennessee. He was like, if you think it's humid here, you know, nothing. So that's kind of all my goal to go to. What would you love for people to know about the South or about Southern culture? The warmth and friendliness. It's unlike anywhere I've, I have, you know, I say we don't go a lot of places, but when we do go, it seems like we go out West a lot or, you know, I've been traveled to New York and it's a different culture here. It's totally different. I'm biased. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else, but it's total warmth. It's, um, Family, I think it's very different here than anywhere else. I mean, where else do people open the door for you? I mean, I go places and no one opens the door. I'm like, what is this? You know, um, but I love the South. I love everything about it. I love the heat. So, you know, I'm sad right now when it's going to get cooler. I'm like, oh, I don't even want to get cool because that means the flowers are leaving. Yeah. But um, I encourage people, if you haven't been to the South and you, you, and you are interested to come visit, you're going you're gonna to love the culture. You're going to love the just the people in general are so friendly. Things are a little bit slower here, I think, than other places in the United States. And I think that we are aware. I think there's a lot more awareness in your neighbor and awareness in um, just being kind. I mean, I feel like I the Southerners are just, they're just kind. So, Well, Natasha, what's the best way for people to connect with you in 1818 Farms? Okay, so to see the daily activities, I would follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, we also have Twitter and it's uh, 1818 farms. I mean, 1818 farms is our, you know, just the name, just one eight one eight farms. And then to kind of learn about the products, I go to 1818farms.com. Okay. And there, if you're interested in coming to the farm uh, or doing a balloon stroll, I would definitely sign up for the email list because that way you'll be notified and, and the tickets sell out pretty fast. Okay. So I, I would recommend, you know, if you see that ticket, go ahead and purchase it because there's a chance there's not going to be a ticket. You know, it's okay. just, people, they sell out pretty quickly, even the free tickets. Like, and that people laugh because even the, the sheep shearing, you purchase a $0 ticket, but okay. that's, and thank goodness we do that because think with COVID, if I had not had all these email addresses of people to be able to get in touch or right. if it's a rain out, you know, if it, if it's storming, we have to move. So don't be a, that's kind of, I know it sounds odd, but you have to revert. We can only do on the open farm days, 300, we can do a thousand at the sheep shearing. So you have to reserve your ticket. So, but if you want to know about those events, be sure to follow us. So you'll be the first to know. So you don't miss out on a chance to come to the farm. That's so good. Oh, 2021. I can't wait for you to get here because I'm coming to a bloom stroll for sure. That's true. That's right. (laughs) Well, Natasha, thank you so much for sharing your story and just about the farm there. And I do hope um, people will check out your products and even better come visit you because it sounds like it is dreamy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, you for, yes. Thank you for having me today. It's great connecting. All Thank right. you. Bye-bye.